lovely people out there, our fans, our awesome new listeners. We are so happy to have you joining us here at the dinner table. My name, of course, is Aislinn Campbell, and with me is my lovely partner, Joe Hilliard. Lovely. I always call you lovely. I don't mind lovely. I like lovely. Of all of the things you could say on the spectrum of adjectives to describe me, I will take lovely every single time. I like your eyes. You have really lovely eyes. <laughs> I don't think I give your eyes enough credit. That's I don't good. think when it comes to the avalanche of compliments that I give you, mm-hmm. maybe the eyes I need to bump up a little bit on the tote board. I think the reason my eyes never get noticed is because you have to look through a thick pane of glasses that are like smudged with crap to yeah, see I my eyes. Yeah, I think that that's your universe because that's <laughs> okay. not the way I see you or your glasses. Okay, tell me. But your glasses are a part of you, aren't they? They are. They're I've like had them since the seventh grade. Glasses are part of your brand. Yep. I went to get my driver's license when I was 15 years old. And that was the moment that I learned that I needed glasses because I couldn't pass the eye exam. But you don't wear glasses. My eyes got worse over time and then began getting better. I like my glasses. They are my brand. You're right. No doubt. Because even as I imagine myself with all of the luxury that I ever desired, Mm -hmm. it's always with some like really cool glasses on. They're a part of me. Anyways... I don't know if any of our audience gives two shits that they can't see what I can't see. (laughs) I sit here and imagine that someone listening either wears glasses or contacts or has someone close to them that does. And it's that slice of life that we bring at the dinner table when we talk about every single aspect of life that does make it, I think, extremely engaging. Agreed. Okay, so we plan or try to do the podcast during the day on Wednesdays, and it gives you time to edit the podcast and work through things. Before Monday. This morning, I said, hey, are we going to record today? And you were like, yeah, I think let me just get this stuff together, and I'll I'll send it over to you. And I said, okay, I have an appointment at 11 o'clock with a client. And then a little while later, I said, okay, that appointment changed. And then a few minutes later, I was like, okay, now I have one at one o'clock. And that's just my life. To which I was going to ask you, are we going to be able to record today? <laughs> right. Some of you haven't been listening long enough to know that during this podcast alone, I have had two different jobs and started a business. I was the executive director and founder of Grow Local South Texas. And I left that position in mid-December last year, took a new position in mid-December last year, and quit that position in mid-May this year and started a business called It's Just Aislinn, which is kind of funny because when I ran for mayor that year, do you remember the commercial that we did? Well, it, yeah, because we was... knew that one of the, the first hurdle was going to be people pronouncing your name correctly. Correct. Yeah. And every single time we're out and someone looks at your card or tries to recall the name that you told them at the beginning of the conversation and they come back with Aislinn. Right. I just laugh and laugh and laugh. I'm like, who would name their kid Aslan? Like, come on, y'all. Now you're just being jerky. But anyways, we made a commercial and kind of were teasing the one of the other mayoral candidates about mispronouncing my name. Yes. And in the commercial, there were several people that were doing, it's just Aslan. It's just Aslan. A-I-S-L-Y-N-N. It's just Aslan. So it's kind of a play on my name. We should post that commercial on our Facebook page. Yeah, I think we still have it somewhere. Wait till after the election so as not to confuse everybody. (laughs) Speaking of amazing work, I am doing amazing work now. 
I am doing edible landscape consultations, which is something that is primarily for people that live right here in our region because I have to go to their location. But I also do garden coaching Mm -hmm. and garden workshops. And those are available for really anybody that's listening, talking about just ways that I can help you appreciate your life and your lifestyle and wellness and mind, body, spirit connection to the garden and what that means in our lives. And then, of course, I put on different types of workshops where they're recorded so you could purchase a recording of it. I do that kind of stuff. I'm going to have excess produce. As a matter of fact, as I was sitting down to talk to my dad yesterday after having planted a massive amount of... I I remember you told me yesterday, beets, carrots, radishes, and squash. Beets, carrots, radishes, and turnips. All root vegetables. Hello, turnip mashed potatoes coming soon. Yeah. But I planted probably 25,000 carrots. (laughs) (laughs) Carrot soup, fried carrots, (laughs) carrot mashed potatoes, carrot toothpaste. Well, what that means is that we're going to probably have an overabundance of carrots, which means I'm going to have some carrots to sell, you know, I'm going to have some Brussels sprouts to sell and some things like that. But one of the things that is really, really fun about this business as it grows and as it shifts and as I take on new things and do have new opportunities is my dad is really, my dad and my mom both are really investing in the farm in a way that makes it really, really easy for them and me to host events. Yeah. So I'm going to be able to host a lot of different types of retreats and farm to table dinners and gardening classes and yoga classes. And in the future, I know that we'll have what I would call the inns. So like maybe some little tiny homes that we can do for Airbnb and just all kinds of awesome, cool stuff that's happening out at the farm now. It gets back to this idea that everything's changing. Everything is changing. One of the massive nationwide movie theater chains is closing 500 locations. Mm-hmm. The movie business, as an example here, and there are so many other examples, Francesco and Susan talked about it last week, the restaurant business, it's all going to change. Right. And I mentioned part of the shift probably isn't just that people are afraid, but that people are just wanting to do things differently. Like maybe they're not eating out as much. But I also think about this movie theater concept and I don't love going to the movie theater. I love watching a movie and getting access to like delicious popcorn and candy and all of that stuff. I actually hate paying the prices of the movie theater. I think that it's ridiculous how much they charge for someone to go. For a ticket. Yeah, and for the treats that you have when you go there as well. But you can't shift until you shift. And there's this concept where there's a lot of people that are kind of putting in their own movie theaters in their own homes. Well, they're all trying to duplicate the experience as best as possible for the reasons that you're talking about. One last thing about the farm. We are renovating our farmhouse out there. So um, there's actually massive things happening. And part of the shift that's happening with some of the spaces my dad is working on is actually over above the um, fireplace that he's put in in the pavilion is a big huge space for a tv screen so we can watch any movie we want to watch i mean if they're closing down movie theaters then they're giving people options of ways to see newly released movies in different places early Uh, voting started this week just a few days ago you want to talk politics for a second no fine with me but I'll tell you what Aislinn for Mayor just posted about this concept. Aislinn for Mayor, the Facebook page from your 2018 candidacy. You told me I needed to use it more. And I, I said, think... I'll post on so- post something on it when I feel like something's worth posting. What'd you post? I haven't seen it. 
The absolute best thing we as citizens can do is trust ourselves, heal our own baggage, wake up to be the best version of ourselves every day, see our true beauty both in our human and in our world, and vote with our heart. But know that not one single politician is our savior, and no one single politician is our demise. The only savior is our individual selves, and the only demise will come from our individual selves. That's what I have to say about politics. The end. Is that an original thought? Yes. Good job. Because it's what I believe. I believe that without unanswered questions last week, on our Friends with Benefits episode, we've got two weeks worth. Unanswered questions. Two weeks ago, I made the critical error of saying your hobby as a gardener. Actually, you didn't even say that. I just inferred it from what you were saying about uh, comparing it to golf. You just publicly chastised me on the podcast for no reason. <laughs> My question then became, what is a hobby? When is a hobby not a hobby anymore? Right. The IRS has something to say about it. What does the IRS have to say? It becomes a problem for a hobbyist when they attempt to write off costs for, for, their, for hobby. their hobby. So the IRS, when you begin writing off things for a hobby, does want to know, are you in this to make an income? Correct. Are you a subject matter expert enough to call yourself someone that can present this as a business? And then sometimes if a business loses money many years in a row, they'll downgrade them to hobby because clearly you're not making any money doing this thing. I'm a business. I have to fight with the Texas State Comptroller's office a lot more than I'd like to. I've... Actually, I had to apologize to the last lady for yelling at the lady that called me before that because seriously, the left hand never freaking knows what the right hand's doing. Why, but, why are you yelling at people that call you that? I'm because Don't they're. Ugh, I know you're right. You can't because it's not that woman's fault. But their answer is Austin doesn't know what Corpus Christi's doing, mm -hmm. and Corpus Christi's like we know what Austin's doing. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows y'all like what. And that's what, that was my biggest problem when I was writing grants and like, well, I wasn't ever really writing grants. I was approving grants that someone else wrote and sending them in and doing the paperwork and all that stuff for anyone, state or federal, was that the left hand never knows what the right hand is doing. Government's too large. Imagine them trying to solve a pandemic. The left hand never knows what the right hand's doing. Well, that was your prediction at the very beginning of the entire thing. Are, are governments too large to be nimble enough to really effectively handle all of it? Okay, two weeks ago, I compared that very first grain-free pizza crust that I made with like a flour-infused omelet. And after I was listening to it again this week, I thought to myself, that's not what I meant. I meant crepe. Crepe. The pizza crust that we made was basically a thick crepe. Because if that dough crisps up a little bit, you're going to have a nice thin dough. The dough didn't do that. So, I mean, we're going to continue and push forward. I did contact that keto restaurant down the street. Mm -hmm. They're going to potentially kind of help me out with some grain-free baking tricks and tips. And nice. I can't wait to do this again. And then last week, Francesco and Susan from Bellino were talking about how COVID had affected their business uh -huh. and how they could not have been as successful as they were in that time period without their dedicated community of the super fans we have some of those the numbers growing have you noticed all of our numbers are growing and we couldn't <laughs> couldn't say so thank exciting. you more loudly and tell you how much we appreciate it and then remind you again of course to tell a friend because that's really the best way for a podcast to grow tell and your give friends. us some like what do you call those things some reviews and some 
shares and some follows. When and... you walk into a restaurant. Oh, we're getting back to that. Distract. I'm very easily distracted today. <laughs> I don't think about the idea necessarily that I am entering a community. But the best restaurateurs, as Francesco and Susan kind of outlined, I don't know if they do it purposefully or if it's just a happy accident, but the community that you create in a restaurant or a fence business or a, it's just Aislinn garden coaching business, yep. that is the way to succeed. Yep. Building community. Yep. Uniting, not yep. dividing. Yep. Are we talking about politics again? Nope. Okay. So what's the unanswered question? I don't know. I just wanted to talk about it again. I didn't have anywhere else to put it. <laughs> Are you checking me? <laughs> You're right. Technically, it wasn't. Well, as the garden starts to grow more and more, as I plant more and more, we're going to have more and more, these are the vegetables you have to eat yeah. kind of situations. But the other day, we didn't really have that situation. And you were kind of him hawing about wanting to do something pretty easy. And I was thinking to myself something that would be really good for like, the teenagers, because we had both of the teenagers around, and I thought maybe there might be some other teenagers showing up. And I said, how about we just do burgers and fries? And you were like, yes. Yeah, burgers and fries sounds, sounds good. great. It's filling, and it's not too difficult. Yeah, and I was like, I want good fries. And you were like... Well, you had purchased once upon a time, I guess it was you were first doing the grain-free thing, and we were just trying to come up with products that existed. Our natural grocer's grocery store sells a sweet potato, like, like Orita. Yeah. Like a bag of fries and then you can bake them or you can toast them or you can even throw them in the grease, I suppose, if you want to. And we've used those. He was like, yeah, I'll just go over to natural grocers and I'll get some of those sweet potato fries. And I was like, no, I want real fries and I want a lot of them. And I want so many of them that I don't even have to share. As I get better and better at the grain-free baking of a pizza crust, it's just changing the chemistry of that recipe to begin making some bread. But you know what? I don't really miss the hamburger bun. It's not a hamburger okay, then I without don't, a bun. It's a hamburger steak. And that's perfectly fine for me. And as long as it's got some delicious french fries and all the delicious good toppings of like pickles and lettuce well, and tomatoes. We're not going to live any other way. I'm with you on avocado that. Avocado and good cheese and all of the things. So we had all of that. But how do I make french fries? And here's the key. You got to double fry them. I remember my mom would make french fries. She'd take her potatoes, uh -huh. the russet, you know, baking potato, and cut them into a fry shape, uh -huh. and then stick them in hot grease, and stick them over here on a paper towel. But they were like this limp, soggy, greasy, Ugh. and I had to learn and discover how to prevent that from happening. Because even when you go to the fast food place, they're getting french fries out of a bag and dropping them in grease, setting a timer, and then they're perfect. Uh-huh. As far as fast food fries. So they've go. already been fried once before they've they've been pre cooked before that. Oh, and then I guess I didn't realize that. Yeah, so if you have your big fancy thermometer right in your grease on the stovetop, that's where I do it, in my big cast iron skillet that does everything. Then you set that grease to 350 and you fry them for five, six minutes. You take them out of the grease, let them sit while you do the next batch for round one, round one, round one. Then you get the grease up to 400. And you put them in there until they're as brown as you want them to be. And then they're crispy. Weren't they? I mean, the fries were great, I thought. They were, they were good. crunchy on the outside and soft the on the inside. Day. Well, you said you wanted a lot of them, so I made okay. enough knowing that you'd have a Tupperware full of French fries the next day, however you wanted to eat those. I love the potato. What do you use to fry in? I'm using an organic vegetable oil right now. 
Because, I mean, we just have limited options at the grocery stores that are available to us. You should use peanut oil, I hear. You can use peanut oil. Peanut oil is very popular, certainly at Thanksgiving time when you deep fry a turkey. Mm-hmm. You want me to try peanut oil? Yeah, or maybe we should look into oils more and get to know oils a little bit better. Because we fry so many things, we probably should be using a higher quality oil when we're frying. Something to look into. I'll take care of that unless you want to do it next week. I'm going to let you handle that one. (laughs) I knew that you would. I knew that you would. But burgers and fries, that's the kind of meal that's going to please every single person that comes to the table. Although the table hasn't been the meeting place too much these days because when you've got a house full of teenagers, and this is the way it was when the boys were teenagers too around still, there just isn't as often one time when we're all together anymore. My son's coming down this weekend to vote Mm because we've raised our kids weird that way where they need to not only vote, but they want to come and vote in some of the local elections. Well, yeah, they're voting in local elections. And we'll have five, I guess, around the table. But we do have a house full of people all of the time. Yeah. And... I love it. I absolutely love it. It's interesting to me because I always had an image of my household with a lot of people in it, a lot of teenagers in it, a lot of kids in it. And I don't really know at the point where I was in my life where I was imagining that, where it was going to come from because I didn't have any desire to have tons of kids. I was okay with a couple, maybe three, and we ended up only having two. But then we ended up with four, Mm -hmm. and then... We each brought two kids to the other person's party. Yes. And the thing that our kids know about our house is that the door is always open for any sleepovers that they want to happen, unless somebody's in very specific trouble and we're having to manage that. Or unless there's some specific event. Yeah, but even still, I mean, we just had like literally had a teenager in our house, extra teenagers every single day. Online schooling allows you to kind of relax a little bit too as well. I mean, as long as everyone gets back to the computer by 9 a.m. the next day, why not have a friend over? Yeah. The older they get, they're, they're at that teenage time where they're just not doing things the same way they were doing it when they were younger, when they were like screaming until one o'clock in the morning, what, you know, like <laughs> what was your experience with sleepovers? Did you have carte blanche to have them at your own home when you were that age or were you out a lot? I, I'm sure I had a lot of sleepovers and I probably, sl- I know I slept over a lot, but I would prefer that they sleep here. And I've always been that way. The boys, the girls, all of them sleep here. I want you to sleep here. Also so being, being a that... place where other parents know that we're going to keep our eyes on things. Right. I had my first like it's true. high school sleepover, 10th grade. We did the thing where we got dropped off at a place and then went to another place and there was a party. And then we got back to the house that I was sleeping over at. Something bad happened at that party. We all got busted and my parents, I basically like no more sleepovers. What are we teaching in that moment? <laughs> Mistakes aren't allowed to be made and we can just tighten the grip over you and you, you know, you'll, you'll be less likely to get in trouble, which doesn't work. I just want everybody to have a safe place to be and hang and have a good time. Here's the thing. My house is always open, but I'm not putting on a show for you. <laughs> my house may be dirty. If we're eating, you're welcome to eat some food. I'm not putting out all the treats and all the, you know, I mean, yeah, if we're having a little party or something like that, then yeah, we're going to have some extra special things, but I'm not buying extra food for you. I'm not putting on a show. I'm, I'm living in my house and you are welcome to sleep here. And we had, you know, that room full of girls, my daughter's girls had come over and they were all, it was one of those moments where you just, you capture them as a parent. When they start talking to you, I mean, this was the same night of the French fries and the hamburger. 
And my, my, my French fries and my hamburger were sitting there in a, on a plate in front of me getting cold because the teenage girls had walked into the room and then all of a sudden they had sat down on the couch next to me. And now I'm like, oh, 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 they came to talk to me. Oh my God. Ah, hello. I love you. I'm cool again. I'm cool. I'm cool. Yay. Please sit here and talk. And then we talked. It's just easy here. Man, my house has always been open for people. Because back in the days when the boys were here, every room in the house was full. Every room in the house had somebody sleeping in the bed. The girls weren't sleeping out and, you know, whatever. Well, now we have some spare bedrooms. We have, you know, Savannah's bed may be empty. Lily's bed may be empty. You know, back in those days, man, you could walk into our house and there'd be a half-dressed teenage boy hanging off both ends of the couch. <laughs> and I just love that. I love it so much. And I'm a... I'm asleep by 9.30 kind of lady. I'm like, but of course I'm up at 6.30 or I'm up before the sun comes up. So I'm like the one that's unlocking the door and looking at the camera to see if anybody had a little midnight rendezvous, you know, out out in the yard or whatever. We do have to become better at locking them in. That was one of the main reasons why we got that alarm system and the cameras and all that was so that when we're asleep, they're locked in. Well, either way, though, I mean, the, if they open the door, the alarm would scream and it would wake us up. Sure. But I still can look at the camera in the morning and tell whether anybody like left the house right. or went in or out. Or We've had those cameras now for several months. You, you like them? Mm, they're okay. They ding at me all the time. I turned it that off. annoys me. I turned it off. Oh, that's good. Yeah, you walk around the backyard. Ding, 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 ding. And then I'd get, it, I'd get 25 alerts in a row. The camera has detected that someone is in your backyard or like, whatever. Duh, like, yeah. there's someone in my backyard all the time. Yeah. <laughs> She's out there. Of course <laughs> she is. She's planting 30,000 carrots right now. <laughs> I just love it, though. Yeah. I, I could not be happier than to have a household there's talk that's of your, full of teenagers. There's talk of your daughter actually getting her car. She's 16, didn't have a car yet. My daughter's, Getting her driver's license, getting her car. My yeah. daughter's about to go get her permit, which means I'm going to take her to the high school parking lot and we're going to start learning how to drive. And yeah. then I'm going to have a chauffeur, which I love. Mm. One of the things I was noticing with one ear on the talk with the girls that you were talking about were in the, the living room. Mm -hmm. I hate the notion that when you walk through these doors... Put forth the best part of you. We don't want parents to see exactly what we're up to. Like, see, I don't like those wording even because it's not a they please not put correct. your best on every single place you go. However, I'm not going to judge you because your best at age 15 is purple hair. <laughs> like, or trying out these adult words that are so No, what I'm saying is the reason why said. everyone was so engaged in the conversation over there was because in our home, that conversation is more about you meeting them on their level than requiring that they come up to your adult level. That's the thing I think that adults get confused about and they think that they know more than the child. So therefore their words or their opinions are the ones that matter. But the child knows more than we do about some things. Sure. That's the great perspective of just being one of those people that understands that like you are coming from a different space than I am and you are a 15 year old in 2020 
I was not a 15-year-old in 2020, so there's no way for me to understand what it's like to be a 15-year-old in 2020. And I can't I even... can only know what it's like to be a 15-year-old girl at some point in existence. Yeah, <laughs> like... yeah and it, it would be certainly a mistake to say, I'm going to hold you up to the levels of a 15-year-old in 1987. God, no. Because it's a whole new world. Yes, it is. No doubt about it. I had a chat with Lily on the way to school today because she was going in to talk to her volleyball coach. And the conversation that I had with her was, I have your back. Yeah. And it wasn't a bad, like, it wasn't like a bad thing. I don't want anybody to get confused. She wasn't walking into some kind of adversarial situation. No, but... no she was just walking in to have a conversation with Know her, this with her generally. Coach. Yeah. It's a perfect opportunity for me to remind you, mm -hmm. I got your back. I got your back. Yeah. And this is a very, very small part of a lifetime. And this is not a life or death thing. And you love your team. And you know what I see when I watch my little girl play volleyball and be on the courts and all that? Mm -hmm. I see a girl that everyone on her team loves. I see a happy, happy girl. And that's all that matters. And the rest of it, It'll be gone in a blink and you'll be on to completely different other things. And anyone that thinks that that moment in time of high school and athletics and sports and whatever is the end all to be all has had so little life experience that even them leading our children is questionable. I try to make you a happy, happy girl often. Mm -hmm. I think I succeeded this past Sunday night. Well, I make me happy, but you support and contribute a lot. I didn't give you those bagged sweet potato fries. No, you didn't. Mm -hmm. I, I got what I wanted. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, so I do this um, video every Sunday morning, which it actually gets posted up on YouTube. But I do it live on Facebook every Sunday morning from my business account. And the concept is that basically I'm giving you a journal entry of my, what's happening in my garden and I'm teaching as well. This past week, we're beginning to see the harvest of fruits again. So we're starting to see eggplants. And I harvested on camera. If you want to watch it, you can watch it on my YouTube channel. Aislinn Campbell is the name of the channel. Beautiful, beautiful eggplant. Joe was behind the camera because he's my cameraman. And I'm like, hey, Joe, what are you going to cook me with these delicious eggplant I just harvested? And what was your thoughts? It all depends on the size of the harvest. Because if we want to get these cooked and there's not going to be more eggplant coming down the pike, I could quickly peel them, sweat them, slice them, fry them. The second thing that my mind goes to on eggplant, it should be the default eggplant parmesan. Yep. The basic ingredients of eggplant parmesan are, of course, eggplant. Parmesan tomato and a lot of cheese right you parmesan know, it's a very cheesy gooey dish which is going to always get points in this home but this is a brand new recipe that i'd never tried before called beefy eggplant parmesan it was very cheesy and very beefy it was good and those eggplant that i grew were delicious they were so sweet mm. <clears throat> Do you know what I love about this dish? I trick you into eating a tomato sauce because the base of this is a tomato sauce that co I know, cooks I know. for an hour, cooks down. That kind of tomato sauce I can handle. Then it's... I then you cook your beef and then you set it aside, drain it, set it aside, it's ground beef. Then you fry your eggplant. Multi-step dish here. And I took that, those long, what do you call those eggplants? They were long, not a big globe that's like yeah, really no, dark purple. it's a purple. Japanese eggplant. I'm not sure which kind that one was, but it's a Japanese eggplant. So you peel them. Yeah, kind of white and 
purple, not a dark, dark purple. I slice them long ways, about, I don't know, a quarter of an inch thick. And then this is important, sweat those eggplant. Why do you sweat them? You slice them, you can stick them into a colander. We've got a drying, what do you call that? Drying rack thing? What is it? It's like a, a grate. It's like a wire mesh elevated. Baking rack. And then you, spr- baking rack. you sprinkle salt on top, kosher salt. Mm-hmm. On both sides mm-hmm. of these laid down flat eggplant. And almost immediately beads of sweat, it's moisture, right. is getting sucked out of that eggplant. And it's doing three things. Number one, you're tenderizing the flesh of the eggplant. However, it's not necessary for my fresh, young, little Japanese eggplant. Number two, it's reducing the bitterness that you can sometimes find also in eggplant. Also not necessary for my fresh, young Japanese eggplant. And then number three, when you sweat your eggplant, it absorbs less oil. It tightens up the sweat glands, if you will, so that the oil can't get back into the eggplant as easily. So if you're frying the eggplant, it's a great thing to do. Yeah, I noticed that they weren't like soggy. Greasy, yeah. Yeah, soggy or greasy. Because you called me in there to eat. Yeah, I used arrowroot to keep it gr- grain so free. I had put a little bit of flour in there it helps bind everything together and then i had on my rack there fried eggplant slices mm. and they you were have just so eaten that. good yeah i was thinking to myself i could make french fries with these mm-hmm. and i think i'm going to do that because if you're saying eggplants on its way we're going to come up with interesting ways to eat it it definitely is on its way however the next batch my mom has actually said can i Oh, sure, sure, sure. I mean, I know we're going to have plenty of The next little batch of our harvest, I'm saving for you, mom. Then then you make a lasagna without noodles. It's just your eggplant and then half of your tomato sauce and then half of your mozzarella cheese and and then repeat and then cover it with Parmesan and you bake it in the oven. With a delicious salad, and I made a new dressing that night that I'd never oh, made before. Oh, yes, it was good, too. It was good. It was very good. Tell us about the dressing. Okay, well, we went thrift shopping for my daughter's birthday. My daughter wanted to have a little day out. She wanted to go thrift shopping. We went to our favorite thrift shop. I'm a thrift shopper galore. I love it. While you guys were looking through the clothes, I was looking through the glassware. That's I've got not some true. new beer glasses. I've got some new snifters. We've got a couple of martini glasses, some it was champagne fun flutes. Looking through the glasses. But I love that. Then sitting there for like 50 cents uh-huh. was this, it looked like a big test tube with a flat uh-huh. bottom so they could sit like Or a, a super tall shot glass. <laughs> this vinaigrette printed on the side and it had lines. And if you fill it to here with oil and then to here with wine vinegar and then add two tablespoons of Dijon mustard and then um, a medium shallot cut real small, uh-huh. you've got yourself a vinaigrette. And then there's some other options. And it was the find of the, of the whole year. I love that stupid kitschy thing in my... It was awesome. I was proud of you. Utility belt. The way we stock our house is just like, what do we actually need that's functional? <laughs> and what can we get rid of that we don't need that's not no longer functional? I and ha- then also the Hilliards break things. I had intended on taking a portion to my mom, which I'm trying to get better at, making more food and taking a portion to my mom. She's struggling with how to eat nutritionally in the situation that she's in. Where's that beer at? <laughs> <laughs> You, you just can't teach an old dog new tricks. That's a struggle. But if I, mom, I'm going to, every once in a while, not every day, but every couple of days, I may bring over some leftovers if, if you can do leftovers. I don't care what you bring me. Your cooking I'm learning is so good. And the food that they serve here is crap. It's garbage. It's cafeteria food. And so I'm trying to help out a little bit. 
So did you get some to her? Not that one because was there wasn't say, enough. Yeah. The next day I was like, hey, those are the leftovers. You bringing her some broccoli, chicken, cheesy stuff? I made a crap load of that last night. Good. With the sole intent of taking her a nice portion so that she can enjoy our patented. And this is when I would tell you exactly what episode from season one that you need to listen to, but I can't remember which one it is. It's the macaroni and cheese, all homemade with broccoli cauliflower and chicken in the casserole that is a meal and cheese lots of cheese lots always cheese of cheese it's the macaroni cheese. and cheese and then i double of course the cheese because triple the ingredients should be on our uh, dinner table talk ethics hilarious you are well listen i hope that you will add that one to the rotation and then during eggplant the beefy eggplant parmesan yes that's on the rotation season. And listen, we're going to have this a lot of This show is making eggplant. our rotation fat. Oh, I love it. I love having a good fat rotation. <laughs> you know how you have a good rotation? <laughs> you can spin all the way around. <laughs> I don't even know what the hell you're talking about. I don't either, but it made is me laugh. Is that a sexual innuendo? Because if it is, I can't get my mind around exactly who's supposed to be doing what. Yeah, we'll figure it out later. Right? Promise? Oh, never. Uh, <laughs> but now it's time for one of my favorite parts of the week. It's table topics. Table topics completely unrehearsed. I have no idea the question that you're about to ask me. You've drawn it from a box filled with questions. What uh, category are we doing today? I think we're doing basic. Basic general. Basic. Hit me up. I'm going to dazzle you with this answer. Go. What fear... Would you like to conquer? Whew, what fear would I like to conquer? What are my fears? I've got to list my fears in my mind quickly, and then I've got to figure out which of those is the one that I want to get rid of the most. Do you have an answer? Do you have an answer like immediately? What fear do I want to conquer? You know, when you say what fear do I have, a fear of sharks leaps to mind, but I don't care about conquering that. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'd die with a shark someday. <laughs> wetsuit full of poo um that made me laugh trying to think about my fears what are your fears i don't have any fears yes you do i don't feel like i do sharks and no? pooey wetsuits what about a fear of like being judged i don't like being judged but I don't know if I have a fear of being judged. I don't get stage fright. I don't have a problem public speaking. I don't have a, you know, I... I'm trying to think. What about a fear of not being liked? I've, I've kind of gotten over that one. I think social media helps with that. What about a fear of having to tell somebody the truth when it's a hard truth to tell? Sometimes I will omit... So as not to disappoint. Yeah, that, that is one. I know that's one that you'd like for me to, to get my head full. What about a fear this, this is gonna of be bad. telling this your one, this mom one's gonna be bad. or your daughter something that you are not in the mood to tell them? Or it's going to be hard for you to tell them? Fear that leads to avoidance. Yes, that one. Of a topic that might be uncomfortable. You know what? Yeah. Uh-huh. You know me pretty good. That's one that I'd like to conquer. I'm going to conquer it. I'm going to conquer it. I'm going to conquer it. Okay. I'm just waiting on you to what say you, something. What are you going to do to conquer it? Well, that's not the question. What's the question? Which one is it? I think we've identified it and now I'm done. Your turn. What fear would you like to conquer? Okay. Fear Which of fear avoidance and like procrastination about things that are uncomfortable for me. That's a good one. That's a big one. Uh -huh. And it's a good one. Uh-huh. 
Okay. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to conquer that. Okay. Mine. I do not fear death. And the reason is, is because I'm a gardener and I understand that death is not the end of life. I've seen it. I know it. I've lived it. I am fine. Death is what it is. But I fear pain because I've been through a lot of physical pain in my life. I've mentioned sensory overload, which means I can feel, physically feel almost everything. Even the idea of someone that I love dying is a fear of pain, the pain that I will feel because of their death, Um, because I miss touching them or they help me do things that I need their help with. Or or... if I'm driving and you're in the passenger seat and someone swerves and you go, (gasps) you know, you do the whole thing. You don't fear dying in that situation. You fear an accident that would cause you pain. Correct. I'm with you. I fear pain. Okay. And that is the thing that I am actively conquering i have identified it and i'm actively conquering it can i ask you how you intend on conquering what does that active conquering look like if you think that's something that we should go into it's when i recognize that i feel pain yeah or am afraid of doing something because i might feel pain yeah i'm looking into that pain and that fear and where it comes from and why I have it and why I'm holding on to it and then I work to let it go through meditation through other techniques I've learned and I'm learning to be in love with the idea that my superpower is that I can feel everything I don't even know what the hell you're talking about <laughs> I don't either Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dinner Table Talks. We will be back next Monday with a fresh episode. In the meantime, hit us up on social media, send us an email, DM us, whatever. We want to hear from you. And we hope that you're enjoying the episodes as much as we enjoy creating them for you. The absolute best thing we as citizens can do is trust ourselves, heal our own baggage, wake up to be the best version of ourselves every day, See our true beauty both in our human and in our world and vote with our heart. But know that not one single politician is our savior and no one single politician is our demise. The only savior is our individual selves and the only demise will come from our individual selves. That's what I have to say about politics. Sir, the I'm, end. Is I-